All right, we are recording. We are live on the Grit Podcast. For all the new listeners, I start every episode with a playlist shuffle. I go to one of my playlists or just my songs and I hit shuffle. Whatever comes up, comes up. And hopefully it's not too embarrassing. Here we go. Oh! I've been pretty lucky lately. Uh, this is... Oh my god, I don't even know how to say it. Redinho? Edge off? Redinho? Welcome to the Grip Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Sky Osborne. Thanks for coming back. If you're new, thanks for checking us out. Grip Podcast is basically a safe place to talk about racism, white supremacy, uh, racial issues. Come here, uh, learn things, and talk to us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, playlist. Um, I'm sorry, playlist. <laughs> the Grip Podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, um, Podbean. If it's not on your service, uh, DM me, let me know, and I'll see what I can do. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at The Grip Podcast, Facebook, The Grip Podcast, and Twitter, Matthew Sky Oz, O-Z, as in zebra, not zebra, zebra. Um, share the podcast. Uh, we want to grow it, so make sure you're sharing it with your friends and family uh, so we can eventually uh, do live shows in your city is, is the goal or one of the goals. Uh, you can get your Be Humane wristbands on skyent.live, skyent.live. They're $5, dollar shipping. If you know me in person, just ask me for one. I'll get you one, obviously, without the shipping. Five dollars. We're gonna go ahead and uh, let this rock for just a second, and then we're gonna call Leah. This is episode twenty-seven, by the way. big music guy so i love music uh i've been producing music for like 15 18 something years so i'm always gonna find a way to work music into uh what i do because i just absolutely love it uh lee's ready we're gonna go ahead and give her a call and get into the shits here we go here we go here we go leah ring 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 i'm gonna turn that up 
Hey. Hey. <laughs> you again. <laughs> you, your ugly voice again. <laughs> oh, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. whoa I didn't whoa. say that. Taking it too far. All the people we'll, I talk we'll to talk love about your this voice. Later. <laughs> What's that? All the people I talk to love your voice. <laughs> they say your oh, laugh geez. is infectious. Oh, well, that's precious. <laughs> I said, you know, I don't know if it's infectious. I mean, you know, let's, 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 You're like, let's yeah, pull like it back a, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you mean an infection? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you don't have to talk to her every week. No, but they Easy listen for to you. for you to say. <laughs> So, How's it going? Uh, it's been real busy. I'm kind of I'm real glad that uh, you kind of spearheaded this this week's um, topic and everything because I have been real busy. Like I I probably slept maybe five hours and then I had to wake oh, up and, and shower and get ready to do this because I was filming our our thing yesterday all day. Yeah, um, went really well. Went went really well. Um, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, um, we worked in this short film. Yeah, I was film. like, define thing. <laughs> this, what is this thing? <laughs> we, um, me and my wife wrote this um, short film called Be Honest. And by short film, it's probably like, I don't know. I haven't even started editing yet. It's probably going to be like 15 minutes tops, I think. Okay. Um, and Leah helped. Um, what would you say? You were like a consultant? Yeah. On it. Like you reviewed it, gave some feedback, you know, did a few, few things on it. I said, "Let's ramp this up, Matt." Yeah, you, too you were fluffy. like, "It's a little too fluffy. We gotta, we gotta have to drive it, drive it home a little bit, a little harder." We need more conflict. Yeah, <laughs> we need some screaming. No, yeah. <laughs> some somebody needs to break something. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you were like, you were like, yeah, this is a this is heavy stuff. So. Let's yeah. not sugarcoat it. And I, and I, yeah. I, I yeah. sugarcoated it when I first went in. Um, so I think between me and you, we get a good balance, you know, not too, yeah. not too hard, not too soft. It's kind of in the middle, I think. It's, at least you do the, feel like you sh- sugarcoated a little bit first round? Yeah, first round I did because, you know, um, it's funny because in my head, I hate, I won't say I hate, but I find writing dialogue for other people weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because like a little like unnatural or something. It's real unnatural. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. write how somebody else talks. I can write how I talk, and so like if yeah. I'm writing two people, I'm basically having a conversation with myself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which then gets all crazy. It's weird. <laughs> so that's like where my wife and you came in to throw in uh, just like another another personality. You know, yeah, another yeah, way yeah. to think about it. That makes sense. So that was nice. And like I said, I did all of it yesterday. And after that, we had to go to a birthday party. And I didn't get home till like one. So. Oh, dang. Here we are. <laughs> so here we are. Totally sleep deprived and <laughs> caffeinated. My wife was like, you're a beautiful man, but you look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is. This is the conversations five years in, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're about five, six years married. I don't You're know. You're a beautiful man, but you look like <laughs> shit. Oh my god! I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm embellishing a little bit, but you know, that's that's the gist of what she said. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. So hey, before I forget, um, the uh, we're doing this contest, or not even a contest, like a oh, giveaway. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I'm still looking for some takes. I haven't got a whole lot of feedback on it. And so I'm like, what's going on? Nobody wants $100? Right? I'm to like, Amazon? This? <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, we can't enter it. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I was totally joking. Yeah, but I'm I mean, like, absolutely. y'all don't want this? Okay. I want I'll it. I'll take it. <laughs> right? I was thinking like like fifty dollars, but I'm like, no, let's just ratchet it up to a hundred. I know. You know that might make it more enticing. I almost suggested you like bring it down a little bit, but here we are at a hundred, and people are just like, "Meh meh." I'm like, nobody wants a hundred bucks. So let's explain. Yeah. Okay. So so, all they have to do. uh, Do you want to talk about it? You saw it. Is um, share something from our podcast, right? Ultimately, yeah. Video clips or an episode or and tag us in it. Yeah, just screenshot or, or share it. I mean, I'm pretty flexible. Just as long as you're sharing it and tag us in it on your timeline, yeah. then that's all you got to do. And then I'll take all those names and put them in a hat and just pull a name. I think people might see stuff like that and think it's like a scam. You know, huh. like nobody does that. Nobody gives away 100 bucks. I don't know. I, yeah, baby, come on, peeps. Like, let's let's get into it. Like, I swear to God, at the end of this month, I'm gonna give somebody a hundred dollar gift card <laughs> to Amazon, and all you, you don't gotta want do Leah to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, <laughs> you're gonna create a fake account and start sharing the whole bunch. <laughs> Gia Lamb, this Gia Lamb girl has just been sharing the crap out of this thing. Yeah. Oh, so that too, and. Every time you share it, your name gets put in the hat. Oh. So, like, one can... person could share it 20 times. Yeah. And your right, odds folks. are going to be pretty high of getting the money. Come you know? on, folks. So, yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. Everybody has shit on Amazon they want, right? Yeah. Hey, did you see um, Jeff uh, Bezos' wife got a settlement of, like, $35 billion? Oh, no. I did not. <laughs> I saw that this morning. Speaking of Amazon. Tough life, huh? Not $35 million, Billion. Billion. I like, can't wrap on. my head around come that on. Come on. amount of money. What are you doing with $35 I mean, billion? What are you wow. doing? Are you buying the world? <laughs> right. <laughs> I can't even wrap my head around that. That's like such a large sum of, like, yeah, Listen, I don't even know. I'll say this. and I don't know this woman. Never met her. Don't know anything about her. If you get $35 billion and you don't do anything for mankind or mankind, right? humankind. You deserve death. I can't wait to see God <laughs> on judgment day when they look at you. Like you didn't do it. Which I bought some jets and some, some vacation. No, you better do something for somebody. Some big stuff. I mean, seriously. You better change like people's world somewhere. Like you better start a non like five nonprofits. You know what I'm saying? Go you better make some. Sizable donations. Absolutely. Like in the mill millions. <laughs> Go to Flint, Michigan and fix their water. Right. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> can, can you imagine if every like millionaire, billionaire did just did, took on like one project like that? Like how many people's lives they could change? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Topic yeah. for another time. But I just saw that speaking to Amazon. So, you know. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what, um, what do we got? What do you, what do you got? What do you got for us today? Well, Leah? before we get into that, yeah. I have something cool. Well, kind of cool, kind of like blah, like I don't even know. I'm still processing from yesterday. So oh, what happened? This um, 
Stony Island Arts Bank that I've been telling you about where I go and they have like the coolest um, events ever. It's like where I've gone to those like Black Panther Party panels and like I saw Winnie Mandela film. So it's kind of like a community center and an art gallery and they have all these like media archives. There's a, this gorgeous library there. So it's kind of a mix of a lot of different things. Yeah. But I went there yesterday um, for vol- um, like this volunteer orientation. So they gave us this tour. So we, we went up to the third floor, which I guess like the public does not go up there too often. And they were telling us, so they have all these different collections that have been like donated to them. So some are like music, some is art. I don't know. It's just like this huge variety of collections and they're still in the process of like making some of them more accessible to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're on the third floor and they're like up here, we have this collection of racist like objects, memorabilia type stuff that this man, I can't remember his name. Sorry, man, whoever you are, <laughs> this man, um, collected over the years but the reason he collected them was he wanted to get them out of circulation like out of the public eye yeah so like bought it so it didn't you know continue to impact society right um so a lot of them are a lot of them are like images of like mammies do you know the mammy yeah image Mm -hmm. um so for so for listeners it's basically like this caricature of black women they have they have like these usually like these oversized features you know like lips or nose and basically it's a caricature it's kind of like the aunt jemima Mm -hmm. caricature right of like black women as happy to like be enslaved or to like be you know maids or nannies happy to raise your children so kind of like this caricature of like a happy nurturing dumb black woman basically and these were like in huge circulation like back back in the day right so or like there were some records that um and film film like flyers of people in blackface right like stuff Mm -hmm. we just don't see around anymore so anyways okay so the, the woman giving us a tour, she's like, these are all the paper. It was like these huge files. These are all the paper, you know, like newspaper articles and flyers and that sort of thing. And back in this back room, we have that the objects from this man's collection. Um, it's not open to the public. And so I asked, like, while we're up here, you know, doing this tour, is it possible to just kind of like see what's briefly what's in that room? And she said, sure. Yeah, that's fine. So she went to get the key. OK, so we go back there. And they're all in these drawers that are labeled. So she just starts randomly pulling some drawers open, maybe just like a third of them. Mm-hmm. So we start looking in there and there's like these mammy, you know, like salt and pepper shakers or um, this, I guess it was probably like a shoe brush or something that had this blackface person attached to the brush. I don't know, just lots of weird objects. So I'm like walking down the line, looking into these drawers and all of a sudden I just like, 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 you know, your breath just like catches in your throat. Mm -hmm. So in the bottom drawer, just like sitting there were these like rusted, heavy, like shackles, like literally like 
shackles with like a chain, the super heavy, thick chain connecting, connecting them. And I was just like, damn, you know, it's like, I think it was so unexpected. Yeah. You know, like I was expecting the mammy figurines. I was expecting the black face. I was expecting those things, but just to like in the, third floor on the south side of Chicago in this locked room in the bottom drawer are these like rusted heavy chains. And it just was like, man, I just had this moment where I just like wanted to cry, like just overwhelm, you know, just like, yeah, that's like a big jump. Like just like you would like from level, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like racism. You went from like level right. like four to like ten. <laughs> right, like all the way to like pretty much the yeah. 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 So anyways, I yeah, it was just you know, it's like what what do you say after that? And I it, it just it it felt almost symbolic to me. Like obviously the reason this man bought these items was to get them out of public circulation, to quit reinforcing those images, you know, to like halt the reinforcement of those images of the mammy or people in black is as that, normal. Is that a and as good okay. thing? It, I mean, I think... I get it, but, you know... Yeah, I get what you're asking. Like, we kind of need to see these yeah. things to know what where we came from. I think... Okay, I think there's a difference between, like, I'm guessing this man probably found these things in, like, antique stores. Or, like, you know what I'm saying? So I think there's a difference between, I don't know, just seeing, because if you see them in that context, it feels normalized, right? People are buying this shit, taking it home. Like, my my freaking aunt, did I tell you about this before? Not my aunt, I'm sorry, my ex's aunt. We went to her house for, um... Easter, this was in Columbus, my my dear state of Ohio, Yeah, um, went to her house for Thanksgiving, and she had this, like, all of these antiques in her dining room were literally in her house for Easter dinner with all these family members. She has all these antiques around, and there's a couple of freaking mammy cookie jars yeah. sitting there staring at us. Yeah. So, I mean, she isn't looking at those things as like these are wrong this is a reminder of our past she's looking at this like oh look at this cute black woman or you know what i'm saying so i think there's a difference between people that can acknowledge them or that can display them in the correct way yeah as in like this is not okay this is wrong versus like people just buying this shit because they think they're they're antiques and there's nothing wrong with them does that make sense yeah yeah i, I, so I think, totally get it so I get where you're coming from, but I also get, I think, I think where this man that I don't know. So obviously I'm assuming I know where he was coming from. So anyways, but, and they kind of, even at the museum we're talking about, or the, um, the Stony Island Arts Bank, we're kind of talking about, you know, wanting to honor his intentions and not having these items on display, but also wanting them to be available for people to learn from type of thing. So I think they're kind of even like, uh, you know, trying to figure out that balance. So anyways, that was my yesterday, what happened. Interesting. Yeah. It's it's like um, I saw this photograph. um, I'm going to get this wrong. 
and I apologize. I, this is just coming off the top of my head, but my um, there's this photograph of my grandma's grandparents or her parents. It's probably her grandparents um, that were slaves. Yeah, there's a photograph of them uh, like on this plantation. Uh, wow. husband and wife and I saw the photo and like lost my mind <laughs> right because like, those are like my like, fucking relatives it. <laughs> right it's one thing to talk about it but to actually like see it like tangent like a photo or like the actual object I think is a whole nother level right oh it was nuts man it was not I'm like looking at them I'm like no yeah. Like, you know, yeah. we know these things, but like you said, that seeing it and be like, oh, yeah, that's a uh, grandpa, you know, John or whatever. <laughs> right. That reminds me. Sorry, we're, we're on this little tangent, but yeah. that's how I felt when I um, when I went to Zanzibar and um, Zanzibar was kind of the, the last stopping point of the Arab slave trade, which we, we need to, we need to do a podcast on this maybe next week. Um, but they, they would bring, um, Africans from the continent to like the, the inner continent. Um, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but anyways, um, bring folks onto the Island of Zanzibar and then either keep some of them there to work the spice plantations, like enslave them. Right. Mm -hmm. Or from there they would take, black folks to um arab countries to be enslaved there and so when i went to visit zanzibar i just ended up see i don't know how these things like find me sometimes i was like there to be on vacation right to just chill and i ended up booking i didn't have much time to plan i ended up booking this hostel or this like, guest house and it was literally the guest house was above former slave dungeons like yeah. literally i went out my my room down a couple of stairs and i was in these former slave dungeons when i went out of the guest house that was like the slave market where they used to like auction off slaves like literally a few steps outside of the door where i was staying mm-hmm. and that was like another one of those moments of like oh my gosh like it makes it so real you know, it makes that history like so real. So anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Moving stuff. Absolutely. It's absolutely moving, moving, yeah. moving stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Very... nuts. I, oh, and another, sorry, one more thing. Well, another, this reminded me when you mentioned that picture of your grandparents, I have a picture of my great grandparents on my mom's side, I think it was my my um, paternal grandparents, and my great grandmother's feet are like a couple of inches long because they were bound. Yeah. Oh, that's that's I, 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 oh, that's so bad. I've I've actually researched that a little bit at one point in time, so I know exactly what you're talking about. It's when they bound horrible. The feet. That's like they that's fucking nuts. Like, break these women's feet and like bend their feet over backwards and like tie them up, like bandage them up. Yeah. Like cripple them for life. Like through And that was like supposedly because it was more beautiful to yeah, have like small, small feet. feet. But I think it was really to like control women. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you can't run away or you're like crippled, you're obviously like 
that much more dependent on the men in your life and unable to like run away or fight back if need be or whatever. So anyways, yeah. So that was one of those moments of like, Oh my gosh, here's this. Actually, I think it was a drawing, not like a, um, drawing someone had done of them, but I was like, Whoa, like her feet are like tiny. So anyways, yeah, it's just crazy when those things are, it's like everybody wants to say these things were so long ago, you know, like yeah, they, they wander it so down. long ago. And it's like, no, not really, actually. <laughs> right. So anyways, okay. Yeah. Bunny trail for the day. <laughs> you gotta get at least one in. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, at least one, more like three or four, but there's, there's our first. Um, yeah. But so today we wanted to talk uh, officially about, stereotypes right um i honestly i don't think i told you this i was last week when we were talking about um representation and film and the ways that um black folks are portrayed especially in media and in movies and you were like some of these these things get people killed right these these ideas of black men as criminal and i think that's that's the part where that came up and yeah. I was like, Whoa, it's like, th- that was kind of a moment for me. Cause when you said that, because, um, it's like in my head, I knew that, but something about the way you said it, or it kind of like sunk in that much more deeply for me that like, yeah, you think yeah. about it real quick. Um, let's just like a white male, I don't know, 25, 27 years old, lives around white people and all they know about black people are what they see on TV and movies. And if they see black men as predominantly thugs and gangsters, right. That white male becomes a cop. Right. He pulls over a black guy. What does he think about black people? (laughs) Or see, yeah. sees a black man. Like all the things we know have actually happened with a cell phone that looks like a gun or with a whatever, right. That always somehow looks like a gun when a black person's holding it. Right. Yeah. They're just super like, um, I don't know. Like they're, they're, they're thinking their, their mindset. It's, it's all in their imagination, obviously. Um, But if they pull me over and they're thinking that's what black people are, then they're going to be, you know, on edge. (laughs) Right. And that much more ready to see what it is they think they're going to see. Right. Right. Or which is danger. And And I hate to say it, but like I could have my cell phone. They could legitimately think that's a gun. (laughs) Right. Because their mind's going nuts. And I mean, I think there's evidence of that in so many different, you know, testimonies, especially within police brutality. Like I remember reading, um, with the Michael Brown, um, case. And I can't, why can I not think of, um, that officer's name that killed him? Um, I I vaguely remember I'm like blanking, but anyways, but Michael Brown, you know, like that cop that shot him was talking about, he was like, like a Hulk or like, you know, the way he, the words he was using to describe Michael Brown seemed like this, like he morphed into this like giant subhuman monster. It's like, where are you get where, where are you getting this, these, this imagery, you know, like some of that had to be like, you're like, we're talking about some of that had to be a lot of that had to be in your imagination already. 
you know? Yeah, I love to research that cop's, like, background with racial um, issues or just black people or minorities, if you you will. Like, I would love to see what their perspective was. We'll never know, but, you know. Right. Um, Oh, Darren Wilson. That's his name. Darren Wilson. Um, But this reminds me of, man, I wish I could think of this um, website. I'll have to figure it out. But there's... There's a website that's like semi well known. I mean, pretty pretty well known. I think that that where you could actually test your level of implicit bias towards different people groups. Mm-hmm. Like they they have this. Have you heard of this? No. Um. So I've done it before, and so you can choose. You know, like implicit bias towards like African-Americans, towards Asians, towards Muslims. I don't know. It was all these different categories. And so they, they have a series of photos, I think is how it works. It's been a couple of years since I've done this mm-hmm. and the photos pop up and you have to like quickly, it's like you hit the, the space bar. If, if this thing feels bad or feels dangerous and you hit a different key, if this feels good or this feels positive and so um anyways it basically tests your level of implicit bias which is like you know the biases that we hold internally that we we aren't even like subconsciously right that we're not even aware of right um and i remember a comedian talking about a black comedian talking about how even he as a black man was like hitting dangerous for the black folks, you know, that like even that implicit bias from media and from all these things had like seeped into him. You know what I'm saying? Teach us to be afraid of each other. Yeah. To be afraid of black folks, even though he is black and he knows like that's not true, but it's like, so basically these tests are, Oh, it's called project. I'm Googling this. I think it's called project implicit Mm -hmm. Um, and they're free. Um, But basically, yeah, it's just like testing those levels and i'm like yeah are police officers like taking these tests before they're hired you know like that would be yeah wow or bank loan officers or like you know what i'm saying to school teachers everybody you know like because if people if people of color are internalizing these negative ideas even about ourselves then how much more so are white folks you know what I'm saying? Internalizing these things. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, I'm going to go take that test. Yeah. I'm going to retake it too. Cause it's been a couple of years and see, like I said, I think it's that project implicit. If not, I'll figure out what it is and, <laughs> um, let everybody know on the next, the next one. Right. No, this is it. I'm sorry. So yeah, you can take it for disability, for sexuality, like homophobia type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's super interesting. Um, yeah, anyways, cops yeah, should so that, definitely take that test before they're hired. And the person I mean, grading it needs to be also fair. Right. Right. Cause I mean, I think we see that, we see that playing out so much in these cases of police brutality. So, no. um, yeah, but anyways, that really just hit home to me when you were talking about, like I said, when you, when you said that about, you know, these, images of people and these representations of people in media it's so important and literally like killing people and I was like damn that's so true and I think it like we talk about with everything else it just reminded me there's this spectrum 
right? As far as stereotypes, there's a spectrum from, you know, maybe microaggressions that are just super irritating or hurtful, but not, you know, but, but the spectrum from that all the way to stereotypes that are literally getting people killed. Yeah. It's not to rehash, um, but that's what I was saying. That's why the Cosby show was such a big deal because it, it made us look normal. Right. <laughs> like, like, you know, normal human <laughs> beings with normal emotions and feelings and <laughs> yeah. not hyper criminal, not hyper sexualized, not yeah. any of those things. I wonder how many people, the, how many white people the Cosby show actually affected and they don't even know it. I wonder. I really do. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Have to make a make a poll. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So, do you want to? Um, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Maybe some stereotypes that you've. I don't want to put you on the spot here. <laughs> no, I guess fine, I am. Man. I got all kinds of stereotypes that you've encountered in your life, or yeah. Um... Man, I could probably go. I can, and when I talk about these things, I like to put myself on blast because I feel like it feels more authentic if I'm talking about myself and uh, people are like, "Oh, okay, he's he's being honest about you know what he's going on." I can tell you, for example, like when I was a kid, um, I, I went to a predominantly white school, and I don't think I ever told this story on. I, I may have. I don't know. Where I didn't know I was black. Did I tell you that? Oh, I don't think we've talked about this. I've told the story so many times. I can't remember if I've told it to you or not or on this podcast. Right. I, I don't know. So um, when I was, uh, I, shit, I was probably like in sixth grade maybe or uh, fifth grade. Okay. And um, I swear like uh, it was probably – three black kids in this, maybe three or four black kids in the school. And that's including me and my two brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Basically you were related to right. 75% of <laughs> the black folks in your school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there was like one other guy. So I think it was maybe like four of us. And um, prior to that, my um, the things that my parents uh, were doing as far as protecting us, we didn't know what it what it was. Um, I know it now, but like telling us like not don't run between people's houses, right? Um, things that she knew was bad. Hey, look out for your little brother because I told you he was he was darker skinned than me. I didn't know right. why she was doing all that. Obviously, until I got older. Um, sure. But I remember I can't remember exactly how this went down, but um, I remember coming home one day because something happened to me at school. And I think I was like, Mom, I'm black. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> something had happened where somebody had said something to me or I, it may have been a conversation like, Matt, you know, your skin's darker. You're different from us. And I was like, nah, we're all friends. We're good. Yeah. You know right. what you're talking about? But, like, but you're different. I'm like, what? Yeah. And then the whole thing starts to mess with my head. I go home, Mom, I'm black. What does that mean? Why don't you tell me I was black? And so as a kid, I think this went on through like junior high school. Um, and as you get older, you mature and stuff. But I remember thinking, okay, I'm black. So 
I need to change how I behave. And what I mean is this, I need to be that black stereotype that people Super see. Black. I need to be like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I need to be baggy pants, sagging, right. you know, right. playing the hardcore. I was, I literally tried to adopt the black stereotype. Sure. <laughs> because I'm like, well, that's what I'm supposed to be. Right. right and right, then right, right. I remember um, I, I grew up in um, Ohio, um, but I also like to say I'm also from Memphis uh, because my parents are from Tennessee and my mom and dad met Tennessee State University. And we uh, my dad's from a small town in uh, Tennessee called Mount Pleasant. And my mom's from Memphis. And um, we spent a lot of time in Memphis. And if you ever been to Memphis, not so much today, back in the 90s, it's the polar opposite of Columbus or anything in Ohio. Right. So, like, if you're in Ohio, it's, like, kind of odd to see a black person in certain places. If you're in Memphis, it's odd to see a white person. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> in right, In certain right. places. So, we would travel to Memphis, and I can't remember my first experiences with it, but I remember just seeing a shitload of black people everywhere. And yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> what? What is happening? <laughs> right? Yeah. And I got to... Um, basically be around black people um just friends family right just hanging out doing life and yeah just being normal people and i remember going down there you know perpetuating the black stereotype and then seeing black people be normal and i was like like, wait wait i'm I'm doing this wrong I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> you're like, fix it quick. Yeah, because they were just before they think you're weird. Right? Oh, wait, too late. <laughs> because I was, I wasn't being me. I was just, I was being what I thought I was supposed to be, and I'm sure, sure. everybody does that. Obviously, yeah, I went through a phase too. So yeah, <laughs> to some extent. <laughs> um, but yeah, so being in Memphis and and. Doing that for several years, like we spent a lot of time in Memphis and and Ohio and back and forth. I got a real good balance, um, you know, of of culture and and, and race and, and and society. And I, I, it was weird. I got to see, you know, like the things start to stick out to me. Like I would go back to Columbus, and then I would see, I would be out in public, and I would see white people, you know, treat me different not be as friendly or if I'm in a store, I'm not getting help, you know, yeah. like I would be, it would be, it would be like love in Memphis. Like if everybody's speaking to everybody, it was great. Right. Everybody's doing the head nod when you pass all of it. The it's, it's just love. Right. How and, you doing? <laughs> <laughs> the greetings. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then you're back in Ohio, and like that wouldn't have stuck out to me, you if know, you hadn't spent time if I in haven't Memphis. been in Memphis, right, 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 right. Because I would have wrote it off like, oh, they're just busy or they're doing something else. That was that would have just been your norm, right? Yeah. So having those experiences um, really changed things. And let me say this real quick before I forget. I just thought, um, hopefully, my mom and dad don't get mad at me about this. Um, <laughs> my mom's a a very down to earth lady, but she likes and appreciates, uh, nice things. <laughs> okay? okay. So she's always had like a Cadillac or a Jaguar. 
right? She's always had nice cars, and her sister um, always had Corvettes. Like they, they, just, they just like nice cars, nice things. Okay, okay. Um, but that does not define who they are. Um, so I remember, um, I think one of the first times my mom tried to get a Cadillac, um, she couldn't get one in Columbus. We had the money, or they had the money. Couldn't get one. They didn't like, believe the they financing. Didn't believe that she could actually pay for it. All of the or shit would pay for it. Yeah, just couldn't get it. Would not. Wow. Would just would not give them the vehicle. Right. Wow. Guess what they did? Got it in Memphis. Went to Memphis. <laughs> yeah. You're. They're like, mm, okay, bitches. <laughs> We're going to Memphis. <laughs> right. Came yeah. back to Memphis, and then and since then, like she's always getting Cadillacs, and like now she drives Jags and stuff. And so it's funny in our neighborhood, in our predominantly white neighborhood to this day, back in Columbus, um, all of the white neighbors were just f- fucking bum fuzzled. Like they would see us because we weren't, we were more like the Cosby's, right? Yeah. Like we might have had, they had nice jobs, good jobs. We had money, middle class, and they would see us, you know, going out to school in the Cadillac and, and they're like, what, how can right. they afford that? How can right. they live in this neighborhood? Black How is that happening? Are supposed to be poor, right? Yeah. So there you go. That, that's kind of that's a little, a little bit on me and my stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. What? Let's go back to that. Um, that um, the whole like what you mentioned about being the stereotypical, like trying to fit into the stereotypical, yeah, image. Like, why do you think? I haven't really thought about this deeply before, mm-hmm. I guess, as far as other people doing that. Like, I know I went through a phase and I know why I did. I mean, I, but yeah, I mean, I think for me, it was to try to like fit in um, and partially because I'm mixed and people were always challenging my identity as an Asian American woman. Mm-hmm. Right. And still do sometimes like not being Asian enough. Um, and so I think sometimes I would try to fit into that stereotype to have more authentic claim to that identity, quote unquote, you know? Yeah. But I think when you're a kid, I mean, do you feel like that was just a part of your like identity development type thing or was it because of where you were living? Yeah, I was, I didn't know. It didn't make sense because I, like I said, I was I was in a white neighborhood in a white school, and I didn't know what black meant. Right, you didn't see that being lived out around you. I mean, you had your parents. Yeah, then my par- parents, parents, my family. brother, you know, but we all had white friends, you know, because right. that's the area we were in. And like I said, that didn't change till we got to Memphis, and so I didn't know what black was. So I, I just started mimicking what I saw on TV. Right. (laughs) You know? Right. And like, I would watch movies like menace to society or boys in the hood. And like, I don't know that I was like actively doing research. I just remember being curious (laughs) about these movies. You know, <laughs> you're like with your notepad and your pencil in front of the TV, like okay, yeah, yes, like check. this twelve year old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I I just remember trying to. I remember uh, this is how stupid it was. Uh, so my older brother, um, without saying too much, is a pretty um, 
He's 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 very I'll just say he's very street. He's he's he lives on the streets. He's from the streets basically. I mean, okay. he's he's my family and was raised with us, but he's gravitated towards the streets. So he's just use your imagination. Cuz I want to say a whole lot about it. Okay. And I remember being out with him one time and and people kind of knew him around the city as a pretty tough guy. Okay. And uh, he had some white friends and some black friends. And I remember being out with him, uh, being out with him once. And this is when I was doing the whole, like sagging my pants, trying to be the black cool guy thing. And so I also thought that meant, you know, being tough. And I I remember this, like this was yesterday for some reason. And I've I've just, I've never forgotten this. I was at the mall. I was at Weston mall in Columbus, Ohio. (laughs) And I was walking with my brother, older brother and some guys and I was lagging behind them, and I was the young one in the bunch. And there were this, I think there were like two other black guys, two or three other black guys walking towards us. And so we were walking past each other. And I remember seeing those black guys, and they saw us, and I looked at them, and I gave them the hardest fucking look I could have ever conjured up. I like, I know. It, it, it'd been funny if it went that way, but, <laughs> but it didn't. Oh, that wasn't. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so I gave them like the hardest look I could conjure up, and I just mugged the shit out of them. And it, I made it very obvious, and I was doing that because I thought that's what I was supposed to do as a black male. Right. right. I'm supposed to be the tough guy, and I'm not supposed to kick anybody's ass who wants to mess with me, mess right? Mess with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I did that. And they watched me and they looked at me and they kept on going. And like, there was nothing that really happened there. My older brother saw me do that and he grabs me. He's like, don't you ever fucking do that again. You don't know who they are. <laughs> you could get killed doing some stupid shit like that. Yeah. And I bring that up just to say, I can't imagine how many situations there are where black men are doing that to each other. Right. Um, or it, it could be anything where, like, that was just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and that could have got me in a lot of trouble because there have been other instances where I've gotten in situations and my other brothers have gotten situations in similar kind of situations. <laughs> situations, yeah. situations, situations. And, um, <laughs> but it's like, I don't, like, I hate that I did that. And that obviously was a learning moment for me. And it's just one of those things where you're like, you don't know who anybody is, you know, you, you, you can't project on people who you think they are. Cause you, I mean, anything can happen. Anything's possible. Anything dangerous could happen. Um, I can't imagine how many black people have been killed because of shit like that. Right. It's kind of the point I'm, I guess I'm trying to make, but I was yeah. perpetuating a black stereotype that could have got my ass beat or killed. Or worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's so interesting how, I mean, it's like talking about those media images again, right? That yeah. like we were ki- kind of up to this point, we've been talking about like white folks or uh, other non-black people, right? Like seeing those images and internalizing that. But it's like we're talking about how you as a young black man were also internalizing those images as like who you were supposed to be or your role models or whatever, that this was your identity that you needed to take on. And so I think this is like, 
Yeah. I mean, it's just so, it's why it's just one more reason, right? Why it's so important to have a variety of representation in media and in music and in all these different areas. And like we keep talking about, like healthier, non-criminal, you know, representations, because yeah, it just, I don't know. It's yeah, just crazy, I, you gotta think, the like, impact. Would I have behaved that way if there was obviously more uh, positive images of black men out there? No, I wouldn't have. Like, you think about a young black kid today, instead of doing that, they might be running around pretending to be Black Panther. I'm a superhero, you know? Right. <laughs> or some cart, there's a cartoon my, my wife got to me about because I didn't bring it up. Um, it's called The Dragon Prince. Okay. On Netflix, and it's just a straight-up cartoon. And the king is black, his wife is white, the son is mixed, um, their best friends are lesbians. It's it's nuts, right? To see all that in a in, in a, a cartoon. cartoon. Yeah. You know, that's for, like, kids. I was like, this is wild, man. Like, I, I had never even heard of anything like that prior right. to this current generation. So you got to think about the images they're getting now are going to be a lot different than what I was getting. So it's, I mean, so it's a little it's better. A little better. That's what I was going to say. I yeah. mean, I think it's changing slowly, but I think we got a long way to go. But yeah, I think oh, yeah. it's it's definitely, yeah, <laughs> there's some work being done, which reminds me, I just saw, I don't know if you saw this, um, Lupita wrote a book. Oh, no, I didn't. About, it's like a children's book with a very dark, dark skin, you know, main character. And, and the book is basically about like loving the, the skin you're in type thing. Um, because I remember her talk, I've seen, you know, different videos and stuff of her talking about pretty sure it was her, right. How she for so long was seen as like not beautiful because she was like, quote unquote, too dark. Yeah. I put that in uh, real beauty. I don't know if you watched that yet. I put her at the end of that. Oh, I did watch it. How yeah, I forget that. There's I don't, a moment I didn't at the end remember where her being in there. Yeah, she's doing oh, a yeah, speech yeah, yeah. at the end. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's the speech I'm yeah, thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot you had that in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she's like written a book. And so I think it's, you know, it's it's all those little efforts like that, right? Like a children's book here and a movie there and Black Panther here. And you know, but it's like I think it's gonna take a lot of time to start to you know, because there's still the other shit coming out too, right? <laughs> like there's still more of the the other, you know, films with black folks as like all drug dealers and that sort of thing. So I think, you know, it, it, it's going to take a lot of time, but I think there's definitely good, good work being done. Yeah. Um, I remember one of the things, like I don't think when I was going through that phase of kind of like <sighs> – what we're talking about, <laughs> whatever you racial, racial identity, identity development. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think, I don't think I really, I mean, I was kind of in the same boat as you, as far as not really having a ton of Asian folks in my life. Um, at that point, outside of some family members, I would see occasionally. Um, and I don't think I really had a ton of representation like you know netflix wasn't big yet where oh, you, no. have, you <laughs> no. know some shows and you know so it's like i didn't even really have representation representation in media which maybe was a good thing now that i'm like 
thinking about your story, like maybe that was a good thing. But I, the only thing you're going to laugh, I can't believe I'm talking about this. <laughs> the only thing that I, one of the only things I felt like I could like latch onto was like a hairstyle. Like I had this, like these certain bangs and this certain like haircut that I would see on a lot of Asian women. Again, not in real life. Cause I grew up in an area that was like half of 1% Asian. So I didn't even see Asian folks around. Um, but just from like the internet or whatever. And so I would like cut my hair like that because yeah. <laughs> I felt like that made me feel more Chinese. Um, and I think, I don't know, I've been thinking about this, how I kind of like joke and I still do this to this day, joke with people. I've probably done this with you that I'm a nerd. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that maybe comes from, kind of like Asians being stereotyped as nerds. Yeah. Right. But like, I always joke, I'm a nerd with social skills <laughs> and I am kind of a nerd. <laughs> like I love researching shit. I love school, whatever. So I, so it rings true, but I think maybe I kind of got that a little bit from stereotypes of Asian. So I don't know. It's just such an interesting thing to think about, I guess, like the phases we go through and, and thinking about like, um, racial mirrors is what they call them in. So I've kind of like, I kind of, um, what, how do I put this? I have, I have an interest in the world of like transracial adoption, mm -hmm. which essentially typically is like white folks adopting children of color. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I have an interest in that because there's so, I feel like there's a lot of overlap between my experiences being raised, having a white parent and a parent of color. Um, and being mixed race, there's a lot of like overlap between my experiences and the experiences of transracial adoptees, obviously not completely, but a lot of overlap. And so I've done a lot of like research and I'm in some Facebook groups about transracial adoption. I just have a lot of like p opinions and thoughts and concerns around that whole thing. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's one of the big things that they talk about these transracial adoptees who are now adults, that's one of the big things they talk about is the importance of having what they call racial mirrors, which is basically everything from, if I'm understanding that term correctly, everything from representation in film and in, in children's books and that sort of thing, all the way up to having like for real people of your ethnicity in your life, right? Like if you're black, you need black folks in your life that you can look up to and that, you know, can, can be that kind of like role model because I think we all do that, right? We all look at the people around us and yeah. look at what we see on TV and we're, and we're constantly like figuring out what kind of person we want to be, right? Or right. like, who, who do we want to be? What, what do we want to aspire to? And it's like, there's real importance in seeing people around you who look like you. And I mean, I've had a lot of those moments being raised in whiteness my whole life. Like I've had a lot of those moments as an, uh, an adult, like in my thirties, mm -hmm. like when I moved to Columbus for grad school and, and went to, um, I, the church that I was attending there was, um, a lot of Asian folks, a lot of white folks and a lot of like interracial couples and mixed like Asian white kids. And that was like meaningful for me. Like I had never been around up to that point ever been around 
other families that looked like what my family looked like growing up or other children that were my particular mix. And even though that most of the kids at this church, right, they were young, mm-hmm. right? They're like babies all the way up to, you know, like most of them were like under the age of five, but just being around other people that were Asian and white was really meaningful for me. Like I was like, I'm going to go to this church because I liked other aspects of the church too, right. but that was a big part of it for me. There was something like healing, like about that for me, just like seeing other people like normalizing it. You know, I, I think it goes back to that, like, because all my life I'd felt we were the weird ones. We were the odd ones. We were the, you know, family that wasn't like all the other families. And so I think in that um, situation in Columbus at that church, it's like, I got to, um, I don't know, just feel like we were just interracial families and mixed race kids. We were just like normal people doing life. And Mm -hmm. I needed to like feel that, you know, and experience that. So, um, but what, um, so you kind of talked about stereotypes you experience as a, as a kid or like trying to fit into those stereotypes. Do you have things that you've experienced? I mean, I'm sure you do as an adult that you want to talk about or. Yeah. I, I was stereotypes? Having, I was having this thought. Um, so there's this thing that I talk to my wife about a lot called. Um, oh God, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, we call I I call it the uniform. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and. Um, I don't know if you remember a couple episodes back, I was talking about, I think I was saying how I, I did, I think I read this article that was saying something about most people don't mature past a high school level of maturity. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And if you like pay attention, doesn't really take that much effort. You can kind of see that in society. Yeah. So like people are cliquish and people gossip and they do all the stuff you did in high school just as an adult. And they do all this stuff to fit in, wear these certain brands all, or like all that keep stuff. up with fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, this first started coming to my attention with, uh, oh, I, I'm going to get in trouble. I really am. <laughs> let me preface it with this. Um, <laughs> let me say this first. I, I think people are afraid to be themselves. Right. We I all think, want to be accepted. We all want to be loved. We right. all want to... So like that's I think that's for every human being. I think yeah. you're everybody's scared to to reveal who they are. Right. Be, for fear of I'm not going to be accepted, nobody's going to like me, I'll be rejected. Rejection's a right. powerful thing, especially if you're not mature exactly. enough to handle it. Yeah. You know, so people not exclusive to any race, you know, or or culture really like everybody is is trying to figure it out. Right. And everybody's trying to fit in somewhere. Whether you want to admit it or not. Right. And it's like as adults, we learn to hide that a little better, our desire to be accepted. I think as like teenagers or whatever, right, it can be more obvious, but it doesn't go away. We just hide it a little better. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So you see that behavior with adults. And so um, I remember being out at some mall or area, and if you noticed – You'll see a lot of white women that look like each other. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and what I mean is, like, I swear to God, like, 
you'll see like a group of them, and they'll all have blonde hair. And like the same hairstyle, the same hairstyle, brand of shoes, the shoes, the jeans, like you just it's yeah. it's there. It's, it's a fact. Yeah. Just go out and it look is, around. I mean, okay, let's just be honest. It's something people of color joke around about. Maybe white people don't know this, but we joke about it, right? Like, okay. sometimes we, it's funny. <laughs> so, in saying that, I'll also say I see the same thing with black people. Right. I'll see black men, you know, and women do the same thing. Sure. Um, I, I don't notice it. You know, in the Asian community, because I I don't I, I obviously don't know a lot of Asian people. Right, um, I'm just not a, Asian friend. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> I'm, they're just not in the circles. So I'm you running. have all these stereotypes of me that I'm having to break through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, do I fit your stereotypes, Matt? Oh, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so you, I, I, I don't, I don't, what I'm saying is I don't see it in other uh, races well, and cultures because it's, because I'm not just around it. So I'm sure it's right. there, like it's you're there. saying. Yeah. 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 And so I'll be out and, you know, and I'll see like a, a bunch of white women or, or white guys and I'll go, there's the uniform. <laughs> and the re- I don't say it. I swear to God, I don't say it to poke fun. I really do not. I I say it all the time with disappointment. With disappointment that people aren't being more themselves. Right, because I'm like I so I'm like I wonder if they even do they even know who they really are. Right. You know, or are they just perpetuating yeah. a stereotype of acceptance because they right. think this is what people want? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And like I said, not just white people. It's it's everybody. Because like right. you know when you see that person. And I always, I always love this, and sometimes you you have to kind of sift through this as well. But like, you'll be out and you'll see a person walk through the mall or the store with like green hair, you know, or just right. something just like out out the norm. Right, 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 right. And those people to me always seem to. Um, I don't want to say. Um, I, I imagine some people look at them and, and think negative things, but I, I do feel like most people look at those people and are kind of envious or jealous. And so what comes out is, you know, them poking fun at the person. But I do think secretly inside they want to. There's be, some level of re- like respect. Respect that for that. Confident enough to just be themselves. Yeah. And then I'm not saying all people who do wild shit like that are all being themselves. They could be also trying to adhere to a Following. uniform. <laughs> right, right, right. Like right, I'm right. a rebel. So, you know, right. And but, round and round we go. <laughs> but it's, I think it's one of the reasons we like society, we find certain people real interesting, like certain celebrities or famous people because they're so off the wall and they yeah. stick out so much because they're not adhering to any kind of uniform. Right, right, right. And yeah. that could be like, I don't know, man. Lady Gaga, I don't know. <laughs> like it's so off the wall. You're like, you have to look. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I know some of a lot of that's entertainment and all that. That's the only example I could think of. So, so I feel so. I feel like 
I, don't, I, I was thinking about this a lot as far as like stereotypes that I encounter personally. Um, you know, just thinking about that this weekend because I knew we were going to talk about this. But I feel like as a kid, it it changed. It was different. Like as a kid, I think I've talked about this before. I always got the "What are you?" I think it was more. And maybe kids aren't as familiar with with racial stereotypes yet. I don't know. But I more got like questions and microaggressions based on like racial ambiguity, quote unquote, right? Of people not knowing how to label me. Mm -hmm. But I think as an adult, most of my and I mean, this is like so the stereotype of Asians, right? Most of my stereotypes that I've gotten have to do with like schooling or so like for instance I, I was remembering a co-worker um that I used to work with back in the day when I got accepted into grad school and I, I was friends with this guy and told him you know that I got a fellowship and he like stops and looks at me and like sighs or something and he's like oh like when are we ever going to catch up to you people <laughs> and I was like he was white and I was like, wow, thank you so much for like, you know what I'm saying? Like totally taking the joy out of this for me, of all the fucking like hard work I put into school for years, right? To like be able to get this fellowship and you're just going to like pass it off as it's my race and that's why you can't do what I'm doing or whatever, you know, like this is just... I'm Asian and so I'm smart and white people are never going to catch up because it's just like this natural thing versus like the freaking work that we put in studying or, you know what I'm saying? So that, or like people assuming I'm in STEM, like I remember going dancing one time and this guy, you know, guy, we were introducing ourselves or whatever. And he was like, you know, so what, what field are you in or what are you studying? I think he, he knew, you know, that I was in school. This was also in Columbus, <laughs> my favorite state, um, my second favorite state behind Indiana. Um, and um, he, so I told him, you know, African-American and African studies. And he was like visibly like, you know, shook, <laughs> like, like what, like yeah. what? And he was like, oh, I, I was about to ask what area of STEM you were in and kind of laughed. He was like, I guess I shouldn't assume or I guess that's racist or said something like that. And I was like, yep, <laughs> you shouldn't, you shouldn't assume. Right. Um, so I think it's been around that or like people make comments about my food. People used to do this all the time. Not in Chicago though. I've realized since I've come to Chicago, like I've encountered almost none of this. And I'm like, like microaggressions, stereotypes. It's a bigger city with more diversity. Not to say that that's not present here. I mean, I did get the guy, you know, about the manicure, that thing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not that it doesn't happen ever, but just compared to like this kind of stuff happened all the time when I was in Ohio and all the time when I was in Indiana. And it's like up here, I have, I don't think I've been asked once, what are you or what's your race? I, I guess people, maybe they just are, more savvy. I don't know. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. Um, but yeah. Oh, so what I was going to say about the food is mm -hmm. when I lived in Indiana, like people used to, you know, like food I would take to work. They would always have this weird curiosity, like, Oh, what did you bring? And thinking it was going to be some crazy 
you know, like some ex- quote unquote, like exotic food. It would just be like chicken or fish or just something that like we eat regularly in this country. But they were always like peering at it. Like what's in that? Or like when I would cook dinner for people. <laughs> yeah. I would have people over for dinner and they would be like, I'd be like, Oh, I'm cooking Chinese for you. I'm cooking this certain dish. And they'd be like, Oh, well, well what's in it? And they were trying to ask it in this like super subtle way, but I could tell they were like trying to figure out if there was something, you know, weird in it. So it was stuff like that, um, that I feel like I've encountered as an adult. Um, but I was thinking about that versus some of the more dangerous, you know, like my black friends that I've heard talk about, you know, they'll be walking down the street and regularly hear people like locking their doors. Like one, I remember one of my friends when I was at school up here talking about that, like this phenomenon of like, I'm a black man walking down the street and I'll hear people's doors lock or, you know, like women that will like clutch their purse and cross to the other side of the street, you know? So I feel like as we joke about the racial oppression Olympics, right. You know, I feel like the, (laughs) a lot of the stereotypes that, that I'm, that people are approaching me with are less, most of them, I wouldn't say all of them, but are relatively less dangerous, right. Than some of the stereo, than a lot of the stereotypes that people are approaching black folks with, you know what, does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, but I do that maybe the exception to that is I do feel like where I get a lot of weird stereotypes is of with men being interested in me. I feel like that's where it gets a little more like potentially dangerous Yeah, is, you know, like it has that potential because, um, you know, like my ex was always my ex fiance was always like had all these like crazy expectations of me to like, you know, the typical like super gender, (laughs) like um, gender roles slash sexist, you know, that I was going to do the cooking and do all the shopping, grocery shopping and the, this and the, that and cleaning the house and kind of like these expectations to like wait on them hand and foot. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, I think that's where it, the stereotypes that people have of me can get more, you know, like that's not necessarily super dangerous, quote unquote, but could that turn into, it could turn into, oh, now I feel entitled to like be abusive towards you, right? Or to like rape you, yeah. right? If I feel entitled to you behaving in a certain way and, and, as a woman or as an Asian woman, then I could, these men could also feel entitled to more things that are like further down the line of, of danger on the spectrum. Um, but I think I've always had, it's always difficult in those situations when men have those expectations of me. And I start to realize that it's like, okay, is this, are these expectations you have of all women? Right. Cause you're just that guy right? <laughs> that has these expectations that women are there to like serve you and wait on you. Mm-hmm. Or is this because I'm an Asian woman? You know what I'm saying? And you're yeah. not in someone's brain. So unless they're directly telling you, <laughs> which most people don't do, you don't really know. 
But I think for sure the Asian piece, me as an Asian, particularly an Asian woman, plays a huge role. I I can't break it down into, you know, percentages. But, um, yeah, so I think that's where I'm, like, continue – I continue to learn to be more aware, I guess, of how to, like, recognize (laughs) when men are approaching me with these, like, stereotypes – these racial stereotypes or expectations, but it can be kind of hard, you know, like people don't come with like a label on their forehead or people aren't necessarily coming out the gate saying these things. Sometimes it takes a little while before you realize like, Oh, okay, wait a minute. You know, like something funky is going on here or this person has some really weird expectations. Yeah. People never tell you who they are. You got to figure it out. Yeah, They're not like announcing these things. Or if you kind of like start digging, like asking questions, people have, you know, when they feel like they're in trouble or you're like not happy about something, they have lots of good excuses and reasons and, you know, like a lie to you. Well, oh no, I didn't mean it that way. Or, oh no, you know, and it's like. I don't know. Sometimes it can take a little bit to kind of figure out what's really, yeah, what's really going on. Yeah, so. not to harp on that, but I do find it pretty entertaining that I, me, and my, I always joke with my wife about this, like what you just said. Like people never tell you who they are. Um, yeah, it's always up to you to figure it out. And the thing that I think is hilarious is, um, I don't know how this is going to make me sound, but uh, people are always communicating with you, whether they know it or not. Right. And that's because communication is not just verbal. Right. It's They'll body always language. give themselves away. People eventually. always telling themselves. Right. And exactly. I, I love that. And I, I actually poke fun at that. And maybe I shouldn't do that. But, you know, I'll, because my wife's like, you know, she'll something like, Matt, you're being condescending. <laughs> like, but like they're an easily, idiot. <laughs> right. Look like at how easily someone's giving themselves away. Like I'm like, they're giving feelings. you all the information you need. Yeah. They're yeah. not going to come out and say like, I'm the bad guy or I'm whatever it is. I'm like, no, it's up to you to figure that out. Right. You know? Right. Um, let's, let me say this real quick. I, I don't know why I thought of this and then we can wrap up here. Um, I'm watching this show on uh, Amazon called the Romanoffs. And okay. uh, there's a part <clears throat> in one of the episodes where this white couple is um, they're in Russia to ajo- adopt a Russian baby. Okay. And they're having dinner with this uh, Russian woman and they're sitting there. Is this like, wait, is this like a documentary? No, type? no. It, it's a no. show with okay. actors. It's scripted. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 And, um, they're having dinner with this Russian woman that's facilitating the adoption um, and like their contact person. And they're, they're, they go to dinner at this Chinese restaurant and uh, the white people are sitting there eating the food, the Chinese food. And they're like, oh, this is really good. This is crazy. You can get good Chinese food anywhere. And the Russian woman goes, China's right over there. <laughs> that's awesome. Like, where do you think you are? Like, why wouldn't you get good Chinese food here, right? Like, they're our neighbor. Yeah, that's hilarious. You're like, China's right there. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, and that kind of speaks to, in our heads, these weird 
ideas of borders, right? Like, <laughs> well, China's on a different continent. That's like Asia. We're in Europe. But it's like, no, really, that those are borders people created. Really, they're our neighbor. They're right there. Yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. I don't know why they were, it it came off to me as if the American people were like, you can only get good Chinese food in America. Right. Um, And then I even heard, I can't remember where I heard this, but they were like, you know, these people, I think they were in China and they were like, can we get some Chinese food? And I think somebody was like, well, we don't call it that here. Right. It's just food. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Oh, this is an argument. Oh my gosh. This is an argument I got into with some, well, not like, yeah, it like sparked this argument. This is another ex of mine. Maybe we should have titled the show Leah's exes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another guy I dated when I was in Columbus. Um, But yeah, I sent him, do you know what dim sum is? Uh, Vaguely. So it's, so it's like, it's kind of like, Chinese. I hate to even. No, I'm not going to use that equivalent. I can't. Um, it's. It's. I was going to say. I was going to say it's kind of like Chinese brunch, but that's just so bad. It's not that. It's all these like yeah. little dishes that you order, but people do typically get it in like the morning or like early afternoon. Is typically the only time it's available. Yeah. And so I was on vacation with my brother and we found this restaurant that had 24 hour dim sum. And we were like, what? Because like typically it's done by like two or three. And then what happens if you're craving dim sum and it's evening too yeah. bad out of luck. Right. So this was 24 hours. So I took this like silly picture next to it. Like, Oh, you know, Oh my gosh. And so when I was like showing this guy, I was talking to some of these pictures he was like, he made this comment. He was like, you can't go, you can't even go like a week without eating Chinese food, can you? And I was like, what the hell is that? What, what, do you realize I'm Chinese? Like, this is just food to me. This is not Chinese food. Like, an other cuisine that I go eat, this is the food I was raised on. Like, this is my food. Yeah. And so it kind of started, you know, that was a very, to him, a very innocent comment that didn't mean anything but to me that was showing me like this guy is culturally stupid (laughs) right like doesn't have any sort of awareness and so it started this whole conversation that like blew up into like this is not going to work out (laughs) (laughs) to make a long story short but it was like yeah this is this is not this is just food for me like this is yeah and then he also had these ideas because I mentioned dim sum and how it was like different than the Chinese food, right. That people eat in Ohio. Cause you could, there was like one restaurant in Columbus that you could get dim sum and it was not good. I went there once and I didn't go back. Um, but anyways, I was like, dim sum is like this totally different. It's not stuff that you will normally get at like a Chinese buffet. And he was like, all Chinese food is the same. And I was just like, okay, we're done here. Like, <laughs> If your idea of Chinese food is what you've had at the buffet and you think that's authentic and that's what all Chinese food is like, then we have we have some problems here. So anyways, yeah. yes, good point. So, <laughs> yeah, funny, funny, funny. I, they got a lot of – no, never mind. Okay, so uh, <laughs> let's, let's see if I can leave you with this. And this, this could potentially maybe segue into another episode. Um, but – I don't want you to answer this now. Um, I just want to pose the question. So do you think there 
is any truth to stereotypes. Mm. So meaning like I can honestly yeah, I say I can honestly say I'd say a lot of black people have rhythm. <laughs> and a lot of white people don't. <laughs> and I'll just Tune leave it at time. I'll leave it at that. Like Wait, you- <laughs> I I also have a question for you that yeah. I don't want you to answer right now. <laughs> <laughs> Is there such a thing as positive stereotypes is that a thing or are all stereotypes inherently negative yeah i think that kind of mm. plays into don't answer don't answer yeah <laughs> i'm kidding kind of plays into like the question <laughs> i just asked the kind of it's kind of similar right yeah so yeah we'll, we'll chat about time. that uh here, <laughs> here shortly sounds good we'll get some sleep man yeah, I'm pretty worn out, but you sound worn out. I got to get the take podcast a nap up today. <laughs> it's Sunday, like we usually do this on Saturday, and I have a little time, I but I'm gonna have to get this together today. So I'm, I know. I think I might take tomorrow off. I don't know. Is that cruel to tell someone with a toddler to take a nap? <laughs> like, shut up, Leah. <laughs> I'm pretty. Don't drained. ever say that again. <laughs> but seriously, I hope yeah. you get to chill today. I do, I do too. You're like, believe me, I want it more than you do. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, good to talk to you. You as well. um, We'll chat again soon. Talk to you soon, Leah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. -bye. All right. Episode 27. Going to go ahead and send you guys off with another playlist shuffle. Again, uh, we have the Amazon contest or giveaway going on right now all you got to do is share something from the grip podcast is social media or an episode from itunes or spotify tag us in it and your name gets put into a uh, drawing for a hundred dollar gift card to amazon uh that's pretty straightforward and on the end of the i think the last day of the month we're going to do the drawing and somebody's going to get a hundred dollars to spend at Amazon. So um, jump on that and uh, start sharing. All right. Playlist. Shuffle. Kelly Rowland.